I don't think you can raise an athlete, a child today in a vacuum. It's not just the parent. It's like we're on the same team. And I think that it's become this sort of adversarial relationship between school administrations and the coaches versus the parents. And the parents are so horrible and crazy and this and that. And I don't think we're ever going to change the experience for the athlete until we all work together. And how can we not? Like, what is your goal? If you're if you're the parent, you have to want what's best for the kid. If you're a coach or an admin, if you don't want what's best for the kid, you should get out of the business. Hey, I'm Ashley Agle. Some of you might know me as Ashley Burkhart, and I'm a former D1 and professional softball player who spent a few years coaching in the college game before deciding to put all of my focus into youth softball players and helping them make their dreams and their goals happen for them. It's our job to help them unleash their potential and become the athletes they've always dreamt of. I come from a small city in the Midwest and didn't let that stop me from making my goal of playing D1 softball a reality. No matter where you live, you have the tools to help you thrive. And I am hoping through this podcast to help you get there. On this podcast, you'll learn from Olympians, Hall of Fame coaches, and elite players what their journeys have been like. And you'll also learn from me and my family a bit of our journey through the game. I'm so excited to have you here. So whip out your notebook and let's learn how we can grow in this game together. Welcome to When the Cleats Come Off. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in your day. I am so incredibly grateful you have taken the time to turn on this episode because we are about to get into something important. We have Asia Mape on the podcast. If you maybe heard of this article that went viral last year, I believe it was last year, but it was titled, My Daughter Quit Sports and This Is What You Sports Parents Need to Know. It was about Asia's daughter, and Asia wrote this article. So Asia is a four-time Emmy Award journalist and sports television producer. She's worked for Fox Sports, ESPN, TNT, NFL Network, NBC Sports, and she's covered the Super Bowl, NBA playoff, and even the Olympics. Most importantly, though, Asia is a mom of three daughters who have all played youth sports, which inspired her to create I Love to Watch You Play a website with a library of blogs, podcasts, and videos to help guide parents along their journey and help their athletes find success while also maintaining sanity for your family. And the perfect guest today is Asia. And we are talking about that famous blog that went viral and a little bit of her journey of why her daughter, her first daughter, quit sports, even though she had the goal to become an Olympic water poloist. We also talk about cues to look for if your daughter might be hinting that she wants to do something else. I think whether your athlete is loving her sport or not, it's good to have a sign and a pulse of where she's at. Also, we talk about things that Asia has learned that work well for her relationship with her daughters and their passions and what things did not work. The whole reason she started this blog, the whole reason she started I Love to Watch You Play is to help create ease for families at home and learn from her mistakes, frankly. We also talk about how to help your athletes find happiness in what they do and make sure you don't ruin the experience for them. She was told by her daughters that she was the fun sucker. And since hearing that, I know it was hard for her to hear that, she has totally changed the game on how she parents. And you're going to learn so much from her. Other topics we talk about are how to know when you are crossing the line and pushing too hard, 
where pressure comes from for your athlete and how you can limit it, how to help your athlete become a little bit more self-motivated and own their craft, what to do if you have a stressed athlete right now, and how to set boundaries when you and your child love the same sport. I think this is one of my favorite conversations simply because it is raw, it is real, it is, you know, scratching the surface when it comes to, you know, that tough conversation that I want this podcast to be. We are going to talk about some controversial topics, um, but all in all, I learned so much from this conversation with Asia about her experience being a mom to three daughters and what she's learned. And I know you will learn so much too. Get ready to open up the good, the bad, and the ugly from parenting. And let's dive into this episode with Asia Mape. I am thrilled to have you, Asia, on the podcast when the cleats come off. Thank you so much for agreeing to meet with me. Oh my God, I'm so happy to be here, Ashley. Thank you for having me. Yes. Oh my gosh. I just realized that yeah, I come from a family with three girls. You have three girls. I feel like we could dive into so many different places about youth sports and athletics. And on, I'm just honored to have you here. This is going to be so fun. Um, if you don't mind starting with talking a little bit about you as a mom in the game, in the sport, we'll then talk about your famous blog that had gone viral <laughs> about your daughter quitting sports. But um, I, I want to hear about you and motherhood and what it's like. Yeah, well, it's amazing. As you now know, too, it's the best thing that ever happened to me. Um, I, you know, I think that being a mom is the greatest gift. And it's been my sort of like, life's work these last 20 years to try to get it right and do it the best I can and do right by them. I have like three most amazing kids on the planet, I feel. So, you know, it's an absolute um, gift. And, and you know, youth sports has been a big part of it, as you know, for all three of my daughters. And I've had good parts of parenting them in this way and, and not so good parts as well in points. Yes. It's funny. My experience and my youngest sister's experience are two totally different things. <laughs> And, you know, your oldest daughter, Piper, I know you've got the green light to share a bit of her experience. You know, she wanted to play. It was water polo, right? Olympic yeah. water polo. Yep. And then it kind of drizzled its way out because she found another passion. Do you mind sharing a bit of of her experience from from your point of view? Yeah, no, I mean, Piper was an incredible athlete, like all around athlete. She got you know, like athlete of the year several times in her schools and played every sport. And she ended up focusing on water polo at some point and was very good. You know, she was on the Olympic development team. She had big dreams and goals of playing um, one day for the Olympics and going to college to play. And, you know, it was her junior year of high school. And I, you know, I write, write, wrote about this in the blog and I talk about it a lot in you know, I was on the board of her water polo team and made my famous muffins and went to every game and all the friends on the water polo team were my friends. And she um, wanted to quit. And to me at that time, it felt, I say sudden, because I just think really more than anything, I was probably in denial about it because I think she'd been trying to sort of tell me that, tell us that um, for a very long time. But you know, you get so deep into it and 
I think she definitely knew how important sports were in our family and to her father and I both played division one um, sports and we both worked in sports. So, you know, it was like, that was kind of our, that was how we connected and bonded as a family. And that's what we did. We'd go to the park and play sports and we'd watch sports. And so, you know, I think for a kid growing up and also, you know, Ashley, she was a good athlete. So it it's also gets a little tricky when you're really good at something, but maybe you don't love it. And, you know, I think it took her a, a while to kind of be direct about it. And I always urge parents to listen and see those cues a little earlier and really just sort of um, ask the questions and keep the conversation open. I, I think I didn't do a good job. And, you know, I'm much better now with my her her younger sisters, but about having open conversations. I think she knew from a from an early age when she brought up something that was sort of like going to upset us, our family unit around sports, because she was interested in a lot of different things when she was younger, that she didn't get a very good response and she didn't get a very um, open conversation. And so we trained her that that was something that we don't really talk about or that we're not really open to hearing. And, you know, it's not so obvious back then. Look, I always felt loving and like I would do anything for her. And if she told me she loved art, I would have done that. But I'm talking about these real subtle sort of ways they're trying to tell you. And Mm -hmm. I really, you know, feel we didn't do a good job of hearing those and listening to those and letting her make her own choices when she was younger. What were those cues? Were there more than just her saying, oh, I'm kind of into art? What other cues did you miss? I think 2020, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's such a great question. You know, I do tell the story when she was like five or six and we were going up to the park to play basketball and that was my sport. And back then, you know, I thought she was really tall and she'd be a great basketball player. And she was like, mom. And she said this on more than one occasion. I'm not an athlete. I'm an actor. And she loved to sing and loved to dance and loved to be creative. And I kind of remember, Ashley, and I feel bad about this now, but hearing that and sort of like pushing it down. Do you know what I mean? Like I kind of laughed it off. Wow, Piper's so crazy. She always says the funniest things, you know, and it's really sad now. It's not something I'm proud about. I share it because, you know, I hope that other people will kind of like take a listen to some of this stuff. And look, that's a real like you know, she was so young and so subtle, but she dropped hints all along the way, not just hints. I think she probably even tried to have conversations about it. But again, I don't think we were open to that. And I think a lot of times what can happen, right, is you think that it's something else. It's like, okay, she's she's just being a little lazy. She'd rather do like not go to practice today so she's saying that she's this or that yeah you just kind of like make your own sort of narrative narrative about what's happening with her to fit mm-hmm. our mold of sports and so you know I'm trying to think on, on the fly of other examples and I'm having a hard time um, coming up with specific ones but I think it's this overall overriding message that she's dropping hints, being subtle about we we haven't allowed her those open conversations. We haven't been really listening to her. And so in this area, and again, you know, I talk about this and my friends, they hear my podcast or they hear, they're like, you're so crazy. You were such a great mom and you would have done anything. And, and that's all true, right? These things can kind of live together in one place that 
Yes, I felt like I always had her best interest at heart. Yes, I loved her and would have done anything for her. And yes, if I'd understood that she really wasn't happy, that I would have followed that path in a heartbeat for her of whatever it was. But still, I fell into those traps of not really giving her the space to be her and make her own choices. So it doesn't have to mean that you're like some horrible tyrant of a sports parent. You know what I mean? It really doesn't. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, you had mentioned that, you know, your, your other two daughters, you're doing new things. What are some of the things that are maybe working (laughs) that feels a lot better? Well, just like I've just harped on for so long, listening, being open, allowing them to choose, you know, I think for my middle daughter is a really good example. She's a very good soccer player and she's playing now in college. And there was a point when we were going through this with Piper that it was all kind of coming together and making sense. Look, this has been a journey that I've been on. I didn't even see a lot of this early on. I really didn't. Like, it took me a lot of introspection, a lot of thought work, a lot of deep sort of like what went wrong kind of conversations with myself and with her to kind of put it all together. But during this time, my my middle daughter was um, sophomore in high school and, you know, was getting to that point about college or not college and you know, I wanted to, I I think we always want to be helpful as parents, right? We want to, we think we're being helpful, but I was probably doing too much trying to guide and help in, in the ways that I knew how to be helpful. And it was starting to become where it was, again, me sort of, um, taking over the process and me saying, you should be doing this and this and that. And it was right around the time, as I was saying, that like I was figuring out some stuff about Piper and I said, I have to change. Like this is not working for us as a family, as a mom, um, as, as an athlete, like it's not working. And so I really pulled back. I really gave her the power to make all her choices. And, you know, when she failed, she failed. And when she had success, those are her successes now. And it's really amazing when you give someone that freedom, right? And you give them their own um, agency to make their own decisions that all of a sudden she's making like amazing choices around discipline, around doing things because they were her choices. And it wasn't her mom, you know, saying you should probably go get some extra this or you shouldn't eat that or, you know, maybe you want to go to sleep, whatever they are. They can be as small as that or as big as you know, um, switch teams, whatever parents are trying to like control aspects of their kids' sports. But for me, it was really letting go, letting her take hold of her own journey. And I just saw her flourish with that newfound freedom. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know you've uh, written articles about your child and having them find happiness. But I think you're right. Like, looking back on it with my dad, especially, it was one of those where you know, I had the big goal. I was like, I want to play D1 sports. I want to play softball. And like, he was a basketball player, (laughs) which is crazy. (laughs) And, you know, I played basketball forever, but it was like a part of me. And this is, I hope he's okay. If he listens, he listens. But a part of me didn't (laughs) want to play basketball because he knew too much about it. Like, it was like one of those where it was like, um, Uh, I want to play something a little bit different. But I will say, you know, when I when I wanted to play D1 softball, we had no idea how I was going to get there. But my dad was more of the, hey, let's watch these YouTube videos. Like, if you really want this, he's going to test me. He's going to practice, but he's going to practice with me. He's going to let me take ownership. It's going to be, hey, do you want to go travel to this hitting coach that's two hours away? 
And it was my decision. If I said no, he would have said, okay, we're not doing it. But mm-hmm. it is a lot of that is ownership. I loved your article on child happiness, but how do we find that? You know, are there like tricks to help your kid enjoy it more other than the ownership piece? Oh, yeah. I mean, a lot of that has to do with not just parents. Um, like you can do everything you know how to help them, like not pressure them and support them and let them guide. But if the situations they're in, and, and, you know, I talk about this a lot for coaches, volunteer coaches, other parents can ruin experiences. I think it's really about, you know, for one, their age, right? Anything under 13, fun should be the focus of that. And it's proven again and again and again. Kids are not mm-hmm. that interested in winning as young people. They're just not, you know, it definitely grows. And as they get older, um, they want to have fun. They want to be with their friends. And, you know, I like to tell the story about, and, and a lot like you're saying, probably even worse though, basketball was my sport. And I would, you know, let's go shoot some hoops, girls. We had a basket like outside of our house and okay. Okay. And then I just could not sit there and let them like, chuck up shots with like bad form and what I was like no 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 come here let me show you you got right angle you know follow through like you're reaching in the cookie like I was always trying to improve help it was like and I think that's my personality right I'm like when I don't ever read anything for fun I always like reading books that are going to help me get better in some area of my life and watching documentaries and whatever it's just I brought this sort of business-like attitude to what should have been a really fun bonding time for us. And it actually breaks my heart now looking back at so many missed opportunities. And I tell you, Ashley, I walk by the park with my dogs, walking my dogs, and I see these parents working out their kids and they're not playing and they're putting them through their paces. And I just my heart breaks a little and I look at that and I think their kid is not going to last. You know, it's, it's, if you're already at eight and nine years old, trying to have them yelling at them and telling them, you know, do it, whatever. And, And I wasn't like a yeller or whatever, but I see parents today just sucking out all the fun. And that's literally, that's, that was the end of the story. They called me the fun sucker, my kids, because we, I could turn any, fun, joyous moment into um, some sort of school or training. And um, it's not the way you're going to build or, or not build, but develop and grow an athlete who loves their sports and is intrinsically motivated and wants to play for a long time. And and really the point of all of it is it's such a small percentage of kids that are going to go on and play in college, right? So you look at this, so what, like, what are we doing it for, right? And and for the focus to be on winning and all this pressure and all, what we're doing it for is all these great, incredible gifts that sports bring our children in character development and learning how to win gracefully and lose gracefully, learning how to be a teammate, learning to play with kids from all different backgrounds and types of kids and types of personalities and how to take direction and how to be a leader. And there's all these incredible gifts that you get from sports. And so at the end of the day, when most people aren't going to play past that age, like what, what are you doing? 
like the money, mm-hmm. the pressure, all of the stuff. It's really like, it's not about that. And I think too many of us have lost our way. And, and look, I have a kid who's playing in college and one who probably wants to, and I'm not saying that that's, that there's anything wrong with that or that that path isn't going to end up looking a little different and they're going to have to put in the time and the hours. There's a way to do both of these things. There's a way to have your child have a really like joyous love for their sport and their game without being overburdening and pressuring them and making it all about sports and forgetting that they're a person and a kid in there and not just this athlete machine, you know, um, there's a way to have, and I bet you have, I'd love to hear your stories and your sisters. It sounds like your parents were pretty great. Like it doesn't have to be this really heavy handed pressure packed situation to also have goals of playing in college and maybe even playing in college one day. They both can exist. Mm -hmm. And this is why you're here. I'm here to learn from you because, you know, I feel like I've, when I say this, my parents were not perfect, by the way. Everybody's like, oh, your parents must have done everything right. No, like that's not that's not how that worked at all. I think my dad looks back on it and he's like, there are things that we did with you that I did not do for my the youngest too. And that's probably for the better because I was scarred right. for a minute. Not scarred, yeah. but you know what I mean? No, it's um, true. But, you know, it's it's all learning curve. I would just hate for parents to hate doing anything if they just like step back and be like, I don't want to help at all. I don't want to screw this up. No, I feel like not, there's yeah. there's yeah, there's a line, but we just don't know where it is. But this is, again, why you're here. You've experienced so much good um, and enough bad to, you know, now talk about this in your articles, which you're so good at storytelling, by the way. I oh, thanks, was in, I was entrapped by many articles that you've written about, you know, your experience and being vulnerable. I think that is another piece that, you know, we could emphasize is just Admitting when we're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Uh, oh my gosh. A hundred percent. Look, we that bring just goes to a long way. A long way. And, you know, we bring to our parenting our own wounds and our own traumas and our own issues. And if we're struggling in our marriage, you know, it's and it's not just athletes, right? It's all of parenting. And so I think, you know, getting really sort of squared away on your own stuff will really really help how you're going to parent too. I think it will make, um, a huge difference. Um, and then there's something you mentioned about that line. And I think that's a really, really important thing. And, um, I walk that line all the time and, you know, I think there's something that feels, I I kind of know it now really well. It's become like my, my best friend. Okay. I'm crossing that line. I know that feeling, when I'm crossing that line and what I'm saying or asking or pushing may not be um, appropriate. And it's very, it's very, when you boil it down to some like very simple things, um, you know, there's, I, I do talk about like three questions first off that can help you guide you, right? Is it age mm-hmm. appropriate? So if you have trouble finding that line on your own, you know, it's like, is it age appropriate, right? Under 13, it should be guided by development and fun. And you shouldn't be having them do one sport all the time. There's so much research. And um, I think anybody look around at your fellow, uh, you know, kids who are injured and you can see that 
doing the same sport over and over is having disastrous effects on kids, um, not just physically, which, you know, the, the statistics around that are mind-boggling. I think they've made it an actual epidemic now, youth sports, like soft tissue injuries, because mm-hmm. it happens so regularly. But then the mind mental too. I don't know how many amazing athletes get to their senior year. I keep hearing it more and more because my kids are that age and do not want to play in college. They're done. You know, it's Mm -hmm. like putting eggs in a bag and throwing them against the wall and like, oh, two survived and want to play in college. Yay, I did such a good job as a coach or whatever. It's like, no, like that's not the goal. If that's where they go because they took themselves there, that's great. But the back to the to the questions that I that I think are really helpful. Is it age appropriate? Under 13, it should be FUD centered, development centered. They should be moving their bodies in all different ways. It doesn't have to be that they play 10 sports because that's also crazy. It can just be going to the park, going on hikes, swimming, whatever. Like the kids are like need to to sort of develop their muscles and develop all different ways of movement. And that's going to help them A, just be healthier, but B, also be a better athlete. Is it what the kid wants? That's the second question. And look, kids change their minds with the wind, right? And so there is, to your point you're asked, talking about earlier, there is this sort of, you're, you're like kind of guiding them along on this journey. And you don't just throw your hands up and be like, okay, you want to do this now? Mid-season, let's do that. Oh, you want to try? Look, you you need to like, let them try things and let them guide the process, but they're also kids. And so, you know, when, when they're on their phone 24 seven and not doing what they need to do for whatever goal they've set up, you have to nudge them sometimes. That's just parenting. Mm-hmm. You're not That's a good parent. Yeah. Yeah. If you're just like, Hey, do whatever you want to do. And I've been having these talks lately with my youngest where it's like, okay, you either need to change your goals or change your actions because they're not lining up. So Mm -hmm. I'm fine. Like we want to go a different direction and, and not have like, you know, playing in college as your goal. Great. Let's do that. Then I'll, we won't have to do any of the stuff we're talking about right now. But if that's still your goal, then your actions needs to change because you're not, they're not lining up. And it doesn't, as long as you're open and, and she and I now have like a much better way of, talking than I had with my oldest, where she trusts me that I'm going to listen to her and that I'm going to factor in and I'm not just trying to like push her towards something. And so we have a good communication and we can talk about it. And, but it's an ongoing, um, challenge, you know, of sort of staying in touch with what they want. And also I think that like, I'm sorry, I'm talking so much, but I just love these topics. Um, but it's like the parent gets on a path right? Of, okay, she said, like I did, she wants to play water polo in the Olympics and you don't adjust with them. They're going to change. And it's, it's fine. It's like you, you can't expect someone at 10, 11, 12 years old to know what they're passionate about and going to love when they're 15, 16, 18, 20. And so it's such an unrealistic sort of expectation. And I think parents get in trouble with the ROI with, I put in so much money. I put in so much time. They could Mm -hmm. be great. They could get a college scholarship. It can never be about that. It has to be about the journey and what they're learning along the way. And if you're okay paying that money for that bat or that lesson 
If there's no outcome attached to it at all, then do it. If you're only doing it because you think they're going to play whatever, don't do it because you're going to end up, you know, angry with your child, angry at the situation, pressuring them when you really shouldn't be because you're so caught up in it. And, and you're like, we put in so much money and, you know, and I think that's what happens to a lot of parents. I think so too. I, I don't know if I should put this on a t-shirt, but if you love it, you should do it. But like, how often do we know if your athlete loves it is like the hardest thing. But again, like you're saying, communication, asking them, but also giving them an environment where they're, they feel like they can share their emotions about something. Cause I would hate, you know, I'm taking notes because I got a six month old. I know we're going to involve him in sports. His dad played golf. I played softball, but you know, I was actually listening to a, one of the first episodes on your guys's podcast and it was Drew Brees. So I was like super into this one because I went to Purdue and he was <laughs> mentioning how, you know, at, at a young age, just pick one por- sport per season, you know, try it out. Yeah. Try, I mean, at, he said at one point, one of his kids was playing two sports in one season because he really wanted to play both. But I mean, it's one of those where like, you expose them to that. I mean, it's kind of backtracking a little because you were talking about, you know, injury and sport, but it also is going to teach you like, what environments do you love? Do you love playing a single sport where it's just you? Do you love a team sport? Like, totally. how are you going to know? And it's so hard. I think so many of us start our kids in the same sports, right? Because you can play soccer first and you can, Mm -hmm. you know, and you get stuck and you just keep going down that path. You have to try things out and like, see, like my daughter, when she found water polo, she loved it so much better. She was a really big, strong girl and never felt super fast on land. And then it was like, wow, it was like a freedom. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, trying everything is so awesome. You know, that does like, I do want to say, because I think parents can sometimes hear these kinds of conversations and I roll because yeah, our kids, maybe we both have two like uh, uh, D one backgrounds. You're you and your husband, but even more so like professional athletes, kids, right. They're going to get every benefit a, not just genetically, but also like um, coaching wise and all these things. And that funnel is going to funnel them right up there. But you have this whole other group of people too, that, if they don't put their kid in early enough, right, on one sport, because they may not be the most gifted athlete, then they're so their their chances, right, of making that next top team. And we know how that goes. If you're not on that sort of ride up on the 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 best coaches, the best teams, it can be really hard to get back over there, right? Mm-hmm. And that's where I think a lot of people struggle. And you know, I wrote an article about um, the plight of the good athlete, right? Because the great athletes, it's so obvious and they're on that funnel. They're going straight up. The bad athletes, that's also awesome because that's not going to be their thing. And they can totally, parents can relax because it's just for fun. And they're actually getting all the great stuff out of it. But it's this good athlete, which is actually the majority of us, right? That f- feel that sort of um, pull of potential, and so we get really caught up in like, okay, he could be good. She could be good, but we have to do this, this, and this. We have to specialize and we have to get all these trainers. 
because they're not going to be able to keep up with those great athletes and they're not going to make the team. And, you know, and so it gets, it's that sort of group of like these formative years when they're like 11 to 15, which is a real struggle for parents. And I just want to say, like, I totally get that. And I felt that. And it's, it's really sort of confusing and hard to find your way through the current system because Mm -hmm. it's not set up to have balance and to have kids be health and um, happiness and joy be at the top of it. And so you get caught up in it. And I just think it's really important that we acknowledge that because I know um, for a lot of parents, it just, it feels bad. It's like, well, you're saying do this, do this, but yeah, but then they're never going to like, so there is this sort of really tough spot that parents are put in. And I think um, probably too often we're choosing, you know, to go with the flow and to do, do what, but the uh, overdoing it, the overtop, the overpressuring to try to maybe see if they'll make it where I think there can be a little more leeway to catch a breath. It's a long journey with a lot of ups and downs. And mm-hmm. if it, and I know it feels scary to not go to that camp that costs a thousand dollars because everyone else is, or to not move your, your daughter or son to the team that is traveling um, every weekend far away because it feels like that's their only path. And I just want to say there are a lot of paths and that it is up and down and that I acknowledge that that's how the system works a lot. But also, if you want to have like a healthy child and um, and actually a kid who's in love with the sport and who wants to like, it was self-motivated, like you have to have some agency with them and your own decisions and not just follow that path because 98% of them aren't going to make it anyways. And so you might as well keep a good relationship with your child intact. You might as well keep them healthy and balanced and getting what they should be out of sports along the way for that 2% chance. And guess what? They still probably might make it and be better off. So, you know, I don't know, just acknowledging that 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 exists. Um, You know, one more thing on that. I was just working on something a little bit about my daughter who's playing, you know, at a top D1 school right now. And I think that people think she's probably, oh, on one of those kids that was just on that straight up no one is just straight up they're just not that that's not how kids develop and grow in sports and you know she was a cheerleader when she was younger and a dancer and I was like okay you do you like whatever I was supportive of that then she kind of wanted to play soccer so she started really late at like eight she didn't join a club till she was like 11 or 12 which is really late I love how that's late (laughs) no it's gross but it's today's standards that would be late and then she did really great at first. She was like on the U.S. market regional. They used to have like regional training camps you could get invited to. And we're like, oh, dang, like she's doing so good, right? Well, two years later, she's not even starting on her club team, right? And then she's, I mean, it is like an up and down. Then she had a bunch of injuries right before her junior year where the recruiting is, is you know, she wasn't getting barely recruited. Then she had an amazing high school, like, it's all over the place, you know, and just is. because your kid isn't starting for a while or isn't, you know, whatever, like just sit back, catch your breath, relax and just go for this ride. And, you know, just always put them at the forefront of, of every choice that you make, their health and their happiness. Mm. 
You're so right. We are getting closer and closer to doors being open again for the Virtual Hitting Academy. I know recently you've heard me talk like crazy about the Academy, but we are, every single time we launch and open doors, my job is to make the experience even better for athletes and their families to help them become strong, confident hitters that can dominate at the plate, but also dominate on the field and become better leaders in their environment. So with the doors opening again, you're going to want to be on my wait list. I have tagged that in the show notes, but if you go to www.ashleybetraining.com slash waitlist, you can get on the waitlist because we're about to send out a blast of educational emails to help your hitter become more confident, help you help her from home and what she can start doing to help unleash the superpower that is within her in her confidence. So go ahead and add yourself to my waitlist. We have some really cool things coming your way. And if you decide that virtual hitting academy is not for you by the end of that, that's okay. I just hope that these emails that you're about to get are informative and they're ones that you'll want to refer back to, to make the experience for your athlete and you so much better from home. So check out the link in the show notes or head to www.ashleybtraining.com slash waitlist. Get on my waitlist and you are about to get a plethora of information sent your way. All right, let's head back to the episode. There's a couple more questions I'm dying to ask. I was reading in an article, and you must have done the research on it, where 70% of kids quit sports by the age of 13. Now, you've dove into some ways to make sure that doesn't happen and put your child's happiness first. But there's a lot of parents here who have played the same sport that their athlete is currently in. And those, I feel like, are ones that you know have their own type of struggle as well. And you mm-hmm. wrote an article about boundaries when mm-hmm. you love the same sport as your kid. What can you say on that regard for parents that are maybe feeling stuck here? Yeah, well, you know, someone wrote in and asked me for some feedback on that. She was coaching her child, I think. And it was like all they seemed to talk about, all that, you know, it was really, she was struggling trying to find boundaries. Um, And I love that she reached out about that, right? I mean, for many of us, that'd be like a dream come true. Like, oh, all she wants to do is talk about softball all day and all night, you know. But I do think that like it's it it was an important blog to write, one I hadn't really thought about because I didn't have that problem at all. My kids, mm-hmm. none of them wanted to play my sport. And I think it's really as as I kind of got into and, and I asked some of my expert pals about this, but you know, it's finding other things you enjoy, find, making sure that they know your love and your um, interest in them is not solely focused on sports or that sport. Um, and it can be hard because as we know, you know, it does take up a ton of times, a ton, a ton of our weekends, you know, nights at practice. And so when they get in the car talking about other things and asking them about other things and just making sure you do things together that, I mean, they're pretty kind of, you know, obvious things to do to make sure, but I think it's really making sure they know that underlying thing is not about sports, their love for you and, and your love for them is like about them and whatever Mm -hmm you know, that is, and not, it doesn't have anything to do with their sport at all. And and I think you convey that 
by just showing interest in a lot of different aspects and not talking about their sport 24 seven. Yeah. Big picture. Like keeping that in perspective as well, I think is important. Like I, I joke that like it was until I was 25, I actually figured out, you know, when my dad was hard on me, you know, it's cause he loved me, you know, and I had these goals and he wanted to keep me accountable to it. I did have moments in my career where I thought that my dad only loved me when I played well. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. and that's just a thought that went through my head. Sounds insane. But you know, that a lot of that came from, you know, after a game, we had a lot of things that, you know, we could have done wrong. And this is the thing about basketball. And I feel like you, you could relate to this is you're touching the ball so much more in basketball where like, mm-hmm. there's way more opportunities to make mistakes. Yeah. And yeah, I remember, and I remember sitting in the car after basketball games, and this might be a reason why I quit. I don't know. There were so many things I did right. But the first thing we always talked about was the things that I didn't do right. Mm-hmm. And like, and so every time I made a mistake, I'm like, oh, I'm going to hear about that later. Oh, I'm going to hear about that later. Um, but she again, so it's, right. it's all, it's all learning curve. You are so right. It's really, or that is a, that is a tough one. And I think it's like, I think a lot of kids feel that way. And it, it's almost like nothing they can ever do is going to be good enough, right? Like there's always, you could have, should have, why, if you'd have worked out here, if you'd have slept more, if you'd have do, you know, whatever, whatever. And I think it's funny, actually, this is a, a common theme that's coming up right now. I read someone else's article about this. I have a woman who asked to write an article for me, and that's the topic about her dad. She just never felt he was happy. And and even a step worse, right, is that you feel the love is predicated only on when you do well. And, you know, I, I think that I mean, it's just heartbreaking. And again, I don't know your dad, but I can bet you he, A, loved you to bits no matter what. He, You just get caught up in it. You don't understand how it's coming across. You make these choices in how you discuss things and when you discuss things. And he's bringing his old crap to it. I, I'm sure he has his own traumas, his own issues, his own things. And you know, really spending time at, um, figuring out what those are so that you can bring your best self to your parenting, because that's a really hard way to grow up. And, you know, I, I want to say one thing, I, I know we're almost wrapping up here on time, but like my oldest daughter, as you mentioned, Piper, I wrote that article about, and, you know, we'd talked about it since then many times. I'd apologize. I think you mentioned that too, that that's a real own your shit. Sorry, I don't know if you have to beat yeah. that on your podcast, but you're like good. you're good. You gotta own it. And I owned it. We talked about it. But then the interesting thing was when I wrote the blog, and I could feel there there had been this sort of block between us. And I think a lot of it was with sports and how that all went down in the first place. And it wasn't until she read the blog and I asked her to read it, I asked her if she wanted to read it, because you know words and talking, whatever, like we had talked about it, but until she really read the blog, saw it written out, saw how much I owned of of what that process was like for her, it just like cleared away so much stuff that had been built up and all because of sports, right? How, I I mean, it's just really like heartbreaking to me. So it, it was like that blog was a gift in so many ways because 
I get, I hear all the time how many people it's helped. So that's just amazing. But what it's done for her relationship, our relationship has been really, really awesome to see too. And, and I think it just goes back to, and it sounds like maybe your dad and you have done some talking and, and trying to repair too, because again, look, I don't think parents want to do wrong by their kids. I think you know, we love our kids so much and we think we're doing the right things, but there's no map. There's no like guidebook on how to do this. And so we make a lot of mistakes along the way. Yes, absolutely. And I'm so glad you mentioned that article again, because I'm going to put it in the show notes for those of you who haven't listened to it, but, or listened to it, read it, (laughs) but I know many have, and maybe need to read it one more time because I completely agree with you. It's that, it's that, again, vulnerability piece of like, Hey, I screwed up Mm -hmm. that almost kids need to hear because Mm -hmm. unless my dad wouldn't have done that, which we, we are in a very good place right now, my dad and I, but unless you hear it from them, you're always going to have your own assumption as to why they were the way they were, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but if you can get a clear picture, it's like the doors are wide open. It's the best thing. It's the best thing. So great. So I have one final question for you because I know you're passionate about this. You're excited about this. But a lot of times parents get a bad bad rap, especially in travel ball, rec ball. And this is a topic that, you know, not many people talk about. (laughs) Like we want, I think the best teams need to have parents that get along with the coaches and like have a good environment. But right now it's like coaches versus parents. And I I know you don't want that either. What, What is it about this topic that lights you up? Yeah. Well, well, I'm glad that we're getting to talk about it a little today because I don't think you can raise an athlete, a child today in a vacuum. It's not just the parent. It's like we're on the same team. And I think that it's become this sort of adversarial relationship between school administrations and the coaches versus the parents. And the parents are so horrible and crazy and this and that. And I don't think we're ever going to change the experience for the athlete until we all work together. And how can we not? Like, what is your goal? If you're, if you're the parent, you have to want what's best for the kid. If you're a coach or an admin, if you don't want what's best for the kid, you should get out of the business because I mean, too many times you're hearing it's about the money, this, that, and the other. It's just, it, it can't be anymore. We have to work together to make the experience amazing for these kids so that they can get all these great benefits from sports. And I am happy that like, I feel I'm hearing that more and more from the side of the coaches and from the side of the administration that they want to work with parents and they realize that it's been a big disservice to the athlete that we've become so divided and have such this sort of adversarial relationship. So I think the more we talk about that and sort of put it on people's awareness and, you know, as parents, it can be hard, right? Because the communication flow with the coach, you get frustrated, but you don't want to like hurt your kid's playing time or have any retaliation. You have to just trust more. You have to have the conversations. And look, if if things don't go well or there's some sort of reaction, then you need to get your kid out of there, right? That's going to tell you right away. If, if you have a problem and you go to a coach and it's a serious problem or concern and they don't take it seriously and they don't um, take some steps or some actions or devise a plan with you to help, you don't want your kid there. You just no. don't. And, and so if you're making the choice that you want your kid there because it's the best 
training to get to college, that's when your insides need to talk to, like when I'm saying like you realize, okay, I'm making some bad choices right now. And, and then that's a you thing. But at least give give these um, coaches and admins the opportunity to do the right thing. I think we'll be surprised how often they actually do have the kids' best interest in heart, at heart. So I, I think that is an important topic to, to continue to sort of talk about and have conversations around. Mm-hmm. I couldn't agree more. Like, go with your gut. If you know this isn't a coach that's going to help your kid be, you know, themselves. And, you know, yeah. we don't want our kids to be robots. And we also, that's the travel ball industry and softball right now. Like, there is a lot of money. It's all money grab. Um, not all of it, but you know, a lot of people are asking me like, Hey, what do you think about coaching travel ball? I'm like, I'm not getting into those waters. I'll talk, (laughs) I'll, I'll talk to the people, you know, who need to, you know, get their voices out there about how much of a problem it is, but it is so bad that Mm -hmm. I'm glad you're talking about this. I'm glad you're passionate about this because it is something that, you know, we need to put the kids first and if it goes away from that sports, it's just not going to be a pretty place to be. And we, we need it to be. Yeah. And thankfully yeah. we have writers like you that are bringing these things to light. So I, I can't thank you enough for coming on, um, and being, you know, vulnerable about your story, but also I know many, many listeners are going to, you know, bring a lot of this to their own homes and families, and it's going to be enlightening. So thank you so Great. much for being on. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Ashley. It was really, um, a fun, a fun time. And I'm glad that, you know, we can help a little bit. Yes, I agree. Is, are there any other final thoughts on your brain um, that you wanted to share before we no, sign off? I think we talked. I think I, t- I talked a lot. So I think I'm good. <laughs> it was it was amazing. And there were, you know, probably 30 other questions I could have asked you. So we may have <laughs> to have two. you back on. Part two. Yes, part two. <laughs> but thank you so much for your time today. I'm I can't wait to share these articles that you've written with my listeners. And I know people are going to love this one. Thanks, Ashley. Thank you. Whoa, this conversation was loaded. I mean, even the fact that I brought up some scenarios about my dad and I's relationship, she got the best out of me. And I hope you learned a ton from this conversation. I want to hear your thoughts. We have this new Facebook group called the When the Cleats Come Off community on Facebook. And I would love for you to dive into some of your favorite parts, maybe some of the controversial parts. I want to hear all of it. So we can start creating more episodes like this one, sharing some insights on other people's journeys, whether they're coaches or parents or players. This was raw and real, and I am just so grateful Asia took the time to share a bit of her vulnerable story with her daughter, Piper, also the things that she's learned that are going great. This may have felt like a tough thing to hear, but all in all, I know you guys are here to help make your athletes experience better, and I truly believe there are certain moments in here that are gems that I will probably be re-listening to as I get older and my son gets older and he starts diving into sports. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your tribe. Please share it on whatever platform you like to hang out on most. And don't forget to tag me so I can see what it is that you love about this episode so I can create more episodes like this one for you. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast. It's probably the easiest way to promote the podcast and help get more ears on each episode. And don't forget to stay awkward, stay humble, keep smiling. And I'll see you next week.